and that was all. Well, I wasn't satisfied, Mr. Holmes. The whole thing seemed to me to be so damned unnatural. He was a good lad, and he wouldn't drop a pal like that. It wasn't like him. And then I happened to know that he was an heir to a lot of money, and also that his father and he did not always hit it off too well. The old man was sometimes a bully, and young Godfrey had too much spirit to stand it. No, no, I wasn't satisfied, and I determined that I would get to the root of the matter. Well, it happened, however, that my own affairs needed a lot of straightening out, after two years' absence. So it's only this week that I've been able to take up Godfrey's case again. But since I have taken it up, I mean to drop everything until I've seen it through. Mr. James Dodd appeared to be the sort of person who it would be better to have as a friend than an enemy. His blue eyes were stern, and his square jaw had set hard as he spoke. Well, what have you done, Mr. Dodd? Well, my first move was to get down to his home, Tuxbury Old Park. It's near Bedford, and to see for myself how the ground lay. I wrote to the mother, therefore. I had quite enough of the curmudgeon of a father, and I made a clean frontal attack. Godfrey was my chum. I had a great deal of interest, which I might tell her, of our common experiences. I should be in the neighbourhood, and would there be any objection, etc.? In reply, I had quite an amiable answer, and an offer to put me up for the night. That, that's what took me down on Monday. Tuxbury Old Hall is inaccessible. Five miles from anywhere. There was no trap at the station, so I had to walk, carrying my suitcase, and it was nearly dark before I arrived. It's a great wandering house, standing in a considerable park. I should judge that it was all sorts of ages and styles starting on a half-timbered Elizabethan foundation, and ending in a Victorian portico. Inside it was all panelling and tapestry, and half-effaced old pictures. It was a house of shadows and mystery, Mr. Holmes. Oh, oh, there was a butler by the name of Ralph, and he seemed about the same age as the house. And there was his wife standing there, who might have been older. She had been Godfrey's nurse, and I'd heard him speak of her as second only to his mother in his affections. So I was drawn to her in spite of her queer appearance. The mother I liked also, a gentle little white mouse of a woman. It was only the colonel himself whom I barred. We had a bit of a barney right away, and I should have walked back to the station, if I had not felt that it might be playing his game to do so. I was shown straight into his study, and there I found him, a huge bow-backed man, with a smoky skin and a straggling grey beard. He was seated behind his littered desk. A red-veined nose jutted out like a vulture's beak, and two fierce grey eyes glared at me from under tufted brows. I can understand now why Godfrey seldom spoke of his father. Well, sir, I should be interested to know the real reasons for this visit. I answered that I explained them in my letter to his wife. Yes, 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 you said that you'd known Godfrey in Africa. We, of course, have only a word for that. Well, sir, I have two letters in my pocket. Kindly let me see them. He glanced at the two which I handed him, and then he tossed them back at me. Well, well, what then? I was fond of your son, Godfrey, sir. Many ties and memories united us. It is not natural that I should wonder at his sudden silence, and should wish to know what has become of him. I have some recollection, sir, that I have already corresponded with you, and had told you what had become of him. He's gone on a voyage round the world. His health was in a poor way after the African experience, and both his mother and I were of opinion 
that complete rest and change were needed. Kindly pass that explanation on to any friend that might be interested in the matter. Oh, certainly. Well, perhaps you might have the goodness to let me know the name of the steamer and of the line by which he sailed, together with the date. I've no doubt that I should be able to get a letter through to him. Well, my request seemed both to puzzle and to irritate my host. His great eyebrows came down over his eyes, and he tapped his fingers impatiently on the table. He looked up at last with the expression of one who has seen his adversary make a dangerous move at chess, and had made his decision how to meet it. Many people, Mr. Dodd, would take offence at your infernal pertinacity, and would think that this insistence had reached the point of damned impertinence. You must put it down, sir, to my real love for your son. Exactly. I've always made every allowance upon that score. I must ask you, however, to drop these inquiries. 